Welcome to the StrongTeams.com podcast, where we help leaders build strong teams. Teams built on empathy, understanding, and trust, where every team member feels valued and contributes at the highest level possible. Welcome to the StrongTeams.com podcast. My name is Steve Neesmith. And I'm Rodney Cox. And Rodney, our guest on the podcast today is CEO, author, and speaker, Dennis Allen. Dennis is the author of The Disciple Dilemma, Rethinking and Reforming How the Church Does Discipleship. By the way, discipleship.org also named this book one of its top 10 for 2022. He's a six-time chief executive officer specializing in turnarounds for Wall Street-backed corporations. Dennis speaks at universities, churches, and conferences on the topics of leadership and discipleship. He's also a combat-rated Air Force F-15 fighter pilot and alumnus of the Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics. Dennis, thank you for joining us today on the StrongTeams.com podcast. Stephen, Rodney, I'm to be with you. Dennis, our listeners want to know all about you. I know they're going to be incredibly encouraged with our time together here today, but let's start with you telling our listeners a little bit more about yourself and your family. Well, my rap sheet is um, pretty boring, but uh, here's a couple of thoughts about it. I'm married to the ex- extraordinary Karen, which is my bride. We have uh, two kids, Matt and Libby, and they're grown and gone and they don't call home enough. And uh, <laughs> my world is uh, is generally in the areas of business. I help in what we call corporate repentance. If you think about the biblical idea of repentance is to turn around. So my world is helping businesses turn around when they're having troubles and get them healthy and operating again. Uh, also, uh, if you just back up a little bit in my life, I was in the Air Force uh, for uh, a few years. And before that, uh, grew up in the South. Uh, two parents, great disciplers, mom and dad still alive today in their 90s. Can't find them at home on Friday night either. So <laughs> that's uh, some of the traffic in our, in our family. Yeah, so you said that you got a military background. Thank you for your service. We are incredibly grateful for your service and the sacrifice that you and your family have made. F-15 pilot, uh, pilot, tell us a little about that. That's got to be fascinating. Well, the uh, the F-15 Eagle is a really cool airplane because it's the only airplane in the history of aviation that's never lost a dogfight. It's a fascinating airplane. And um, there's some great guys who are believers in Christ driving those airplanes. I was discipled by some of them. And, wow, that was an experience all unto itself. Um, It's a lot of fun flying. Uh, uh, We in the Air Force spend a lot of time trying to disciple Navy guys to be better father pods, but they don't pick it up very well. We do the best we can (laughs) with them. It's kind of subpar material, but we love them anyway. Anyway, it's, it's a great life. It was a great adventure, and I'm just so grateful the Lord gave me time to do that, too. Give us a little backstory on your professional journey. How'd you get from the military cockpit, you know, to the boardroom? Um, yeah, the, the story in short is that uh, I was flying one day and the flight surgeon, that's the docs that work with the, the pilots, called. He said, hey, bring the airplane home and land it straight in very gently. Don't pull any G's, just come straight home. And uh, it turned out that I had a genetic defect. It was the same genetic heart defect that killed uh, Pistol Pete Maravich mm. when he was playing basketball with James Dobson. Well, that ended my flying career in like 30 seconds. And when that happened, I thought, well, 
what now? And I thought, well, I, I think I got this undergraduate degree in business. I guess I'll go into business. And so I wandered off into the business world. And the Lord was gracious to open doors with some wonderful mentors there. And I started getting involved in helping businesses that were having trouble get healthier. And from there, recruiters started asking me to come work with other companies that were having trouble. And so I've enjoyed meeting a lot of wonderful people and helping those people get their businesses back righted and running well again and healthy so that the employees have a job rather than it having to close down or sell out and crash and burn. So it's been a lot of fun enjoying that leadership and watching that leadership and being mentored by a lot of leaders in that world. Yeah, it's nothing better than seeing the light bulbs come on and, you know, people really start living out, you know, better better principles to govern not only their personal life, but obviously their professional life. So tell us a little bit about how, you know, the church and corporate America today kind of parallel each other in this thing called leadership. It was funny to me as I watched the problems that businesses face, and this is an almost repeating script in every business I've been involved in. It is that people in the business world, largely, when you think about the employees that are out there, the folks who are working out there in the trenches, on the manufacturing line, in the offices, they don't know why they're there. They have no idea what's the mission of the business. And in today's Gen Z world, you know, why is an incredibly important part of the reason that I've come to work for somebody. So people didn't know who they were, why they were, what they were, what they were supposed to be doing while they were there. And I started thinking about this in the 90s and I started going, wait a minute, I'm seeing the same kind of problems in the church. If you look at the statistics today, mm -hmm. much less back in the 90s, you see so many people who think of church as membership, but they don't understand what the mission of the church is. They don't understand as believers who they are, what they're supposed to be. And leaders, interestingly, also struggle with the same problem. They don't know who they are. Are they managers or are they leaders? Is there a difference? Why does it matter? And that became the conversation that led to this whole discussion about the disciple dilemma. So, Dennis, you could you've had so much experience uh, in corporate America. There's so many topics topics you could write on and speak to in the area of business. What attracted you to the topic of Christian discipleship? Um, when I start this conversation, I usually like to make sure that everybody hears me say this. Number one, um, this is not an attack on pastors. It's not an attack on churches. It's not an attack on ministries. We need pastors. We need churches. We need ministry. We need missions. We need all that stuff. There can be some provocative things that begin to pop up as we talk about it, Stephen. And um, as we go along, if anybody on your podcast hears anything that I say that seems to bother them or really upset them, it's Roddy and Stephen's fault, not mine. <laughs> so, so how did all this kind of come together? Um, it came together in the sense that as, as we uh, looked at the problems that the discipleship world faced, whether you look at the number of people exiting the church, whether you look at the fact that 80% of the people in the pews have absolutely no interest in Bible study, prayer life, they attend church 1.7 times a month, and they're not even really convinced, this is about 60%, if you look at the research houses talking about it, about 60% of the people in the pews are not even really convinced that Jesus is the exclusive and only way to God. There's got to be some other ways to go. Mm -hmm. That connects together to the idea that we have a problem with employees in the business world who don't understand their mission and people in the pews who don't understand their mission. 
And at the end of the day, fellas, I think you might agree with me on this. I hope you'll agree with me on this or push me around on it. This is a leadership problem. This is not mm -hmm. the people in the pews and not the people on the assembly line. This is a leadership problem. Yeah, and I would even say this, you know, that pastors and executive pastors a lot of time don't know how to get the people out of the pew and into the work. And because they don't know that, they don't have a process for that. They don't they don't have a, a, a lack of better word, a, a program for that. Then they just steer away from it and they just do business as usual, church as usual. And it's one of the reasons we got involved with a group out of Birmingham, Alabama called Alliance Ministries, a guy named Don Ankenbrandt. And uh, we we uh, come alongside him and put together a project called the 210 Project. And it's about Ephesians 2, 210. And the byline of it is discovering your place in God's story. And it's really about helping pastors engage, right? They're the people in the pew to get them out of the pew and into the work. And uh, it's not a discipleship tool. It's a tool really designed to, to, to just activate them, to get their heart and their mind refocused on the mission of the church. And so uh, we would agree with you wholeheartedly. In fact, we think that the next Reformation will come when that 60% or the 80% of church-attending Protestants actually get up and start doing the work. That's right. That's, that's really one of the things that, uh, uh, Dennis, that really piqued our interest about your book was that it does appear to be aimed at leaders. And we solid, solidly believe uh, that uh, if there's an issue, it's almost always a leadership issue, that uh, it's always rooted in expectations and mission and, and that type of thing. And so uh, the fact that uh, you know, there's a lot of books out there about discipling and discipleship, but yours focused on it um, as a leadership issue. Uh, would, would you agree? I mean, is that, was that your intention or did that evolve over time? That's 